the research, it all comes full circle. The research with the neuroscience and music ultimately only came about because there was uh, like a lab advisor who came from the MIT Media Lab. And it was this idea. This is a little, I'll stretch this out a little bit. Take, take, this, take this high level for a second. Like the coolest ideas and the most like creative inventions, I think, come at the intersection of like new technology and mixing with other fields and other domains so you get a bunch of different experts coming in together and that's at that intersection is where you find like the newest like coolest like creative projects and like i was a guy who i was a musician and like an educator i got dumped into a uh, i didn't get dumped i went into like a, a music entertainment technology lab with a bunch of engineers who were studying like uh, digital signal processing and like music information retrieval and pulling out that information i was this cognitive neuroscientist and i was like what do i do in this lab and and the director was like well we think that there's something important about understanding how the human brain responds to music since all these engineers are here just studying music and trying to figure out what it means like we're missing a, an essential piece if you if you remove the human and so let's just see what happens if you like kind of put these pieces together and like that's kind of what happened on the research front and i think with 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 doper with seeker cord and now more broadly with with nft platforms and and just like web3 technology we're seeing just like that same kind of philosophy of artists technologists scientists like you know, coming together with with their minds and like where they are today and what's available to them, which is different than ever was before. And we're seeing a new internet being created like before our eyes. The boys got PhDs when it comes to talking about NFTs and that's nifty. That's nifty. They come to this place to talk about the crypto space And that's nifty, that's nifty, that's nifty Your hosts for tonight's podcast are Tyler, Larry, and Slime Sunday Damn, that's nifty Hey Rob, how's it going? Hey Tyler, it's going well, how about yourself? Good, good, you hear me okay? Yeah, coming in. Good. How about me? Sound good. Yeah. Hey, Larry. All right. Off mute. Hey, Rob. How you doing? Nice to meet you, man. I think Dave is slowly appearing here. <laughs> <laughs> slowly yeah, appearing. How's, how's that sound? Perfect. <laughs> perfect. Cool. Hello, guys. Nothing much. Hi, Dave. So... I'm glad you guys reached out and we got connected through Rich Nardo at Flux88, I believe, sent that across over to us, always finding awesome projects on Web3 to dive into. So I'm excited. I, first off, how do you pronounce it? Because I've been saying doper in my head. Nailed it. Nailed it. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> doper, like it's, doper. Like, it's it, about 20% of people get it right on the first try. So it's always nice. We never get Perfect. names right on this podcast, so that's amazing. What are the iterations? Yes. Do Dopper? Pretty much do everyone thinks Dopper. Yeah. Got dope on the brain, so. <laughs> <laughs> We're excited to dive in and learn some more about how this all works. It's like, do you want to kind of just give a little background about the project and what you guys are building? Sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. 
So yeah, with with Doper, ultimately, um, we're building the discovery and valuation layer for music NFTs. I think underlying everything that we do, um, we, we want to make music NFT collecting easier. I think it's really brought about by, you know, our own, some of our own frustrations of, of trying to find music and, and look across, you know, find different artists and music they would like to cross different platforms. And, you know, as the space grows, you know, we want to really open it up and have a single access point, which Doper can serve as um, for the next hundred million uh, creators out there. And so uh, collectors out there. And so, you know, we're really focusing, we're really focusing on, on two kind of issues that we see in the space around, around discovery, just, just finding the platforms, finding new music um, and making that a simpler process. And then also offering um, some clarity around, around valuations and, and price discovery. And that's, that's kind of where my background, how I, how I came into this was in, in cognitive neuroscience and studying ultimately, what is it about, about music uh, why do we like the music that we do and what what underlying fundamental principles are there um, that lead to that dopamine response um, in the brain when we have some of our, you know, greatest moments just enjoying music out there. And that's that was kind of that was the inception of, of I think, doper and the underlying on the on that valuation side, uh, like kind of the core technology. Yeah, that's really exciting stuff. And I, I think it's in good hands with you guys. We read about both of your backgrounds and they're both very interesting and seem to work well together to create such a platform yeah, yeah definitely. I mean, where did you guys get get connected how long have you known each other because um it does seem like a good blend of you know david with the one side and, and rob with the music side it's um you know it was interesting doing a little background david and i have been friends since we were like six years old or something yes like that. so yeah we're perfect we're both from south jersey uh we used to live, there's like this strip of trees between our houses when we were kids. It felt like, you know, this giant forest. And Dave used to like get mad at his parents and run away from home and show up on my doorstep. Um, <laughs> you know, Dave and I like played in tons of bands together when we were kids. He's an awesome bassist. He still plays. As you can see, his bass I think is in the video right now. Um, and I got into, you know, the music industry on the, the management and label side, you know, so I've been working with mostly independent artists for the last decade plus and just kind of, you know, building sustainable careers, trying to, you know, connect them to an audience in a really deep and authentic way uh, and really fighting for artists to get paid the way they should. So this, you know, the kind of problems that exist there have been very close to me. And then Dave and I always stayed in touch and what he was doing, all the research he was doing. And we realized how we could kind of utilize that to, you know, help artists and empower them. It just kind of like organically came together. And really at first it was, you know, how can we leverage these, you know, neuroscientific insights to help creators make better music, make better decisions, understand how much their music is worth. But then as we were both so down the, you know, web three, an NFT rabbit hole, and then saw how powerful that could be for artists to, to make, you know, to get paid in a way that's much more fair remuneration that's centered around how like passionate people are around the music and how much they're engaging rather than just, you know, if there's people who are passively streaming, it just made so much sense. But the problems there are that, you know, how are people going to find the music, you know, so it's not just the top 1% of artists. Right. Getting found there. So it just it made so much sense for us to, to move that direction. But yeah, to answer the question. I mean, Dave and I have been 
It's a long time. This really is a long relationship, this one. That's awesome. Do you remember that moment where you guys were sitting down and you were like, this is perfect. Like the NFT swooped in and you were like, this is what we need to make this for. Was there like an aha moment? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there, there was there was definitely an, an aha moment. Um, you know, we were we were working with with creators um, and hearing about, you know, kind of the technology we were building and, and how we could help them there. And um, I think it really started around, man, like towards the end of last year, um, we, we had these really strong models as we were working with creators, because as we mentioned, that we were trying to ultimately as a base, <laughs> it's funny, as a baseline, um, what we were doing is we were trying to estimate streams of songs, um, given all the data we could collect. So like this neuroscience data, plus all this information about the songs, about the artists, um, and putting that together and given, we were really trying to look at focusing on um, just just the neuroscientific pieces and the audio information against this like kind of baseline model. And we had been building that. And what we, what we arrived at was this really strong um, prediction along the way of like a baseline estimation um, in terms of, in terms of streams and how that would elicit um, a dopamine pleasure response. And we, we got, we heard about um, Royals drop and, and comes back to kind of Justin and, and Nas's drop in, in January. And, and as we were, as we were seeing that, I was like in the dis, we were like in the discords of, of Royal and other groups. And I think just like learning about the space as, as, as people were talking about it, specifically with the royalty bearing platforms to start um, with Royal and, and seeing like just a litany of, of collectors asking prior to the Nas drop, what is a stream worth? Um, how, does anyone have any insight around the economics of like of the forecasting of these drops and like what the actual different tokens um, when they might recoup their costs? Really, any information that could help someone make a purchasing decision to get any insight into that? And and we were sitting there with this model that had already been built that we were like actually trying to take to like we were trying to make it beyond that. We were trying to say like if we could only isolate just the neural data alone, just the neuroscience and like, and, 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 and use that. Um, and it turned out that like we had data that was very valuable and these forecasts, this information to collectors. And so we, Rob and I looked at each other and we said, wow, this is like incredible. The space is this, there's like with music, there's this different kind of utility around royalties and we're sitting on this forecast. So so we got, you know, we're getting these updates like, okay, that's like a really interesting application. And it was, I think, January 11th. Um, and the drop was happening that day, the Nas's first drop of ultra black and rare and uh, like 130,000 people crashed Royal servers. I was there. We were there, like, we were, <laughs> we were there. Like, oh my God, let's just be a part of this and see what happens. And we saw what happened. Uh <laughs> It was like kind of like pandemonium. We weren't sure what was gonna what was going on, and then and then like I think the next day we got another message that said we're going to postpone the drop nine days. Yeah. Uh, and and I, and Rob and I hopped on a call and we were like talking through this. We're like, can we in eight days reskin our like rework our platform <laughs> because we already have the, the the tech in place and can we just like hand deliver we have our, our engineering team like do this and hand and then rob and i hand deliver um a forecast the day before 
on the 19th because it was moved to the 20th, the drop of January, and just hand deliver to collectors these forecasts and see what happens and see if they're valuable to people um, and, and dip our dip our feet in. And man, we dipped our toes. <laughs> we kind of dipped our toes <laughs> in. And now I'm like, the it's up to my neck. And I'm, I, I, hey. can barely, I can like barely have Get time. Down the rabbit hole. Yeah, we're down the rabbit hole. And it was just, it was just so apparent that this information had, you know, so much value. Um, even early on when these drops were just starting to happen in the royalty bearing space and the deeper that we went, the deeper that we went, the more that we saw, like, this could be of, of extreme value there. And I think as the space grows, our, our vision of that um, is like millions of artists are going to, when you upload your music, be given the option of, you know, making maybe a portion of those of their rights into an NFT of royalty bearing NFT and having that be more along the lines of, and like really getting that influx of artists as web three grows is, as we saw with like web two and you're going to end up facing, I think a lot of the same issues around as, as we talked about before discoverability and curation that I don't really think were solved um, necessarily. And now we can take this tech and on, you know, and help solve that. And on top of that, like be a huge influence in bringing about this music NFTs and web three and the whole space as a whole. And like by driving that discoverability, like really make the most direct tangible impact on artists careers and just, man, all those pieces like came, fell into place and just like, you know, there were a lot of our investors, some of our investors were like, Hey guys, like what, like, Hey, what are you doing? And, <laughs> and you know, you have to like stand there, like get Trust behind us. Yeah, trust us. Um, and that's like a hard thing to swallow sometimes um, when you're building this really deep technology that's based, you know, and it's like, but this was the move and every signal goes that way. And like, there's nothing I believe in more, more than this. I've been like playing music my whole life. And, and I've seen, you know, what, what Rob's done with his bands and I've seen what's been happening to artists out there who maybe for the first time has really, have really gotten kind of like this, this, uh, you know, limelight and attention because there is, the excitement about new art and new music um, and new ways of like connecting fans and to your art. And it's just, man, it's just, that's where it started. So it started with Royal. It's a long-winded answer and uh, I'll, yeah, I'll cut it off there. Rob, I'm sure you have some stuff to add in there. That <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, was well said. I mean, it's just, it's crazy how things take that turn. You know, we have been like toying with that and like, it was like, let's dip our toes in and we went so deep, but it's, it's, what's really exciting though, is, is it's like things move so fast in this space. So I feel like I'm just, since that day, we're learning so much every single day, every single week. And what we're doing is evolving and, and the value we're adding and that we realize we can add is evolving so fast. So it's just, it's a really exciting space to be in. And, and, and having worked in music in a long time, like there's something really special happening around music NFTs at this moment that like, I can't really like remember that feeling bubbling up in like 10, 15 years or something. Just like the, it's, it's early, the people were in it, but it seems like everybody who's in it kind of knows, like, we don't know exactly how this is going to play out. But something really special is happening. And like the, the fact that we can be kind of a part of that and like, make, like Dave said, like make sure that it happens because it can kind of go a few ways with a lot of this stuff, I think, if not done right and maybe not be in the best benefit for artists or, you know, it just becomes cash grabs for the top artists and it doesn't actually onboard a larger amount of creators. So I think we're like, we're also feeling lucky that we can hopefully play a, a cool part in that. 
Yeah, that's what's so cool about the Web3 space. It's like this these things were created and then all these creative people saw a place where like, oh, there's like a need for this thing and they go and build it. And then it's there and then people build on that and it just keeps going. And it's just great to see how much passion you guys have for the project. Yeah, it's cool. We, um, something we did like early on, so I think this is like February, is um, we were building internally like a database of every single music NFT platform that's out there of, of all kinds. So like the royalty bearing ones, but then kind of creator tools or additions or whatever. And a lot of that was just like internal. We want to know everything, you know, which of these can we work with or can we kind of bring into our system to do analytics? And we realized like, for one, like, holy crap, this is a lot of platforms. Like that, that in and of itself is, a, is kind of, it's a, it's a feature and a bug. You know, it's great to have this many options, but like it's, it's difficult for someone to come into the space and like, where do I go? Where do I spend my time? How do I find things? And there's no real good like mapping of that. So we actually took that database and then like reskinned it. So it's pretty and, you know, made a directory out of it that we could bring back to, you know, any collector or anybody interested in the space where they can kind of sort through it and filter and look by utility type, which A has been like, people just so happy about it. We got so much great feedback that like, it's kind of the go-to, you know, directory to kind of find anything that's happening. But what it's also done is connected us to so many different builders in this space of doing everything. And like, everyone's got the same stories of, of excitement and getting drawn in. Like everyone just wants to collaborate and work together. Um, it's, it, there's a lot of like really, really positive energy around it. For sure. And I, I think like we can share that sentiment too, just in how we came in and, you know, with a little bit more of like a, you know, kind of, uh, I guess we're, on the same page in terms of like coming in through Justin and Blau because we're buddies with Mike Slime Sunday and, and um, just supporting him in, in like the backdrop of, you know, seeing artists kind of work on their own and then seeing what Justin did to kind of innovate the um, music game. Uh, it's just um, such a common thread just to, you know, be working with people that kind of, you know, and you trust and you can see it really across any type of, you know, idea or creation in this space. Um, I had like, like personally where, you know, we were somewhat, you know, invested in, in the music NFTs by owning some of early, you know, Blau's work. And like, it's, this is something that I hadn't, hadn't even considered uh, as like an option, as like a specific directory. You know what I mean? Um, at what point, I guess, like from, from you guys acted so fast, what was it that like made you act on it in, in terms of like, you know, all right, were you looking for this stuff on your own? And then like, all right, well, you have to go out and like actually build something. And then it's something that will be an asset going forward. Because personally, I was looking at it this afternoon and I was like, all right, well, I need to get early access because I need to know where this stuff is. Um, so I think honestly, just like explaining it to people is huge. But um, I guess what, what are the plans going forward with you guys? I mean, it seems like to be going, you know, a million miles a minute, but what's kind of like, are you looking at it in terms of days, weeks, months? Where, where are you guys at? Yeah, we're looking. I think all of those all of those time steps apply. Um, you know, we're, we're always super focused on the on, on the short term, but de definitely like kind of thinking about how this how this might grow and where we want to be in like five to ten years. Let's I'll start like I'll start short term. Um, so, you know, right now, um, we pre we recently you know put out a beta. Um, we had we we had those 
we did some forecasts um, around the Nas drop, as I mentioned, and a Verite drop, um, some some on on Royal, and got and got that feedback, and and we're we're talking with some of the biggest uh, platforms in the space, and and working with them, which is really exciting for us. Um, we're targeting this summer our Genesis uh, NFT drop, which will be a season one pass to Doper and, and all our our analytics and, and discovery tools um, and such. Um, and we'll be launching Doper shortly, in a couple months. Um, so that's that's like you know that's huge huge for us. And ultimately, we moving forward, we're like we're putting like kind of our foot in the sand and saying like, hey, we want to be the access point for all things music NFT to discover and learn about the space. We want to be like, you know, the trusted source for, for learning about everything that's out there. And I think that's the, the resource directory was kind of like a first step in that direction. Like I'm an, I'm an educator um, before I was a musician, before I was, I was a scientist actually. And I think, you know, that's how, you know, we really are going to see, you know, not just music NFTs, but NFTs generally kind of move forward is, is really having, you know, um, clear and, and efficient um, ways of onboarding people. Um, so when you think music NFTs, um, you know, once you think Doper, um, a part, big part of Doper also is in ourselves. I think part of the cool stuff is, is building around um, our Doper token. Also, um, early next year, we'll be launching a, a Doper token and kind of the core uh, features of that are ultimately going to be with our valuation tools, um, with our forecasting technology, um, we're ultimately going to be making purchases and acquiring um, the largest um, group of on-chain digital music assets out there. Um, and that's what we're going to be, you know, it's going to be like kind of a huge value added for everyone in our community early and people joining along the way is that having ultimately a doper token is going to bring you ownership of, of that asset fund um, and along with some level of governance um, and so, you know, we've, we really see like, you know, that as a really cool part of what we're building. Um, you, you mentioned, you mentioned something kind of like, of, of like kind of how we were planning this and like how it kind of came about. It's, it's, it's funny that you know, with these models, Rob and I had talked under a different name, this, this doper fund, uh, the doper, doper token, the now it's the Do Dover community asset fund, um, we were really intrigued by the catalog space, um, like in music's long tail and catalog purchase purchases that were going on in like the traditional music industry. So, you know, we were seeing like in the last couple of years, some of those huge catalogs, you know, Taylor Swift and Bob Dylan. And we thought that back then, even last year, this was before we, we were really brought into NFTs, that there was a ton of value with this technology of showing you know, the kinds of artists we're looking at now, artists in the long tail who don't really have that big following, who don't really have the options of like getting that jump start by selling their catalogs. And we had this kind of this idea of making uh, funds around that. Um, and now I think as we as we look, you know, into where we are today, that kind of mantra of like, hey, we want to be able to bundle and put together, um, you know, uh, packages that connect ultimately collectors to up and coming artists who have massive upside potential. Um, and that's kind of what we want to do. We want to shine a light on the hidden gems in music's long tail and help kind of let that rise to the surface um, and like break through all the noise that's out there. And would that be based on, or I guess you could probably choose between like the musical style and like 
what kind of finances you're looking, you know, like profit wise or revenue down the road? Yeah. So, I mean, for, for the analytics that we'll be delivering in the short term, you know, that'll be looking at every size of artists leveraged against, you know, the cost of the NFT versus the percentage of, of royalty share that are giving, being given back to you, you know, and we'll deliver, you know, different, you know, ROI valuation and upside analytics based off of that. Um, so it's kind of, you, you, and you can filter and sort and look through that any way you want. There'll also be kind of a discovery feed that, you know, aggregates from all of these different platforms, including the non-royalty bearing ones. So that's a much simpler way to look through it. Um, in terms of the fund, you know, that there will be like kind of different theses on what we would be investing in, but it's, it's driven by, you know, the tokens that we think have the most value. Um, we're working out exactly like how the, how the governance would also work from community members. Cause we do want, you know, the community to have some say in what types of artists or which artists we're going after, especially, you know, we would love it if there was like some kind of organic bubbling up of people within the community that maybe have a really strong focus on a certain genre and maybe even some value add that they can bring in to stuff that comes into the fund. You know, they have connections in a certain space. They can actually help the artists and the, the assets perform better. Uh, there's something interesting to you're asking, um, Larry, kind of like what made us decide to go kind of firmly, like one of the things that made us decide to go firmly in this space. And it all kind of ties into the fund and, and some of what Dave's mentioning with like the, the catalog acquisition. It's like, we, we had been thinking about that. And then I, I also had, had managed some artists that sold off portions or, or kind of all of their catalog to different buyers in the last couple of years. And, and, you know, those were, those were good decisions that, you know, we were happy about the band made a decent amount of money. Um, but it was web too, you know, and, and it was to a traditional buyer and it wasn't connecting with their fans. And then it was kind of over. And then we're seeing how, you know, in web three, we could have done those same sales, but have done it towards, you know, directly to fans or new fans that we can be making. And then every time any of those had sold it again in the secondary market, we would have had a creator share and actually kind of looking at that now and seeing our past deals. I'm just like, those are that money's done, you know, <laughs> and I could be taking a 10, 15, 20% chunk on every sale going forward. And like, that's amazing for artists. So like, that was a big, like clicking for us of like, wow, like this is a superpower. Um, but then also looking at those catalog acquisitions, it's like, it's great that Bob Dylan and Taylor Swift can get, you know, that kind of capital, but there's so many great smaller artists out there. But the problem is like the big hypnosis funds and things like that are not going to spend the time or the resources to put together a full deal for an artist that's not of that size. But that's actually the fastest growing area of the music industry. So there's like a disconnect there. But it's like the only way to do it is to do it at scale. You know, how can you, you have to look at hundreds, thousands, hundreds of thousands of songs and artists. And then to pair that with hundreds, thousands, hundreds of thousands of collectors, you know, you need kind of something. And we're like, wow, we, we can be this really fantastic valuation middleware that connects those two things and makes that all possible. And like really opens up that asset space to both the, the artist and the collectors that wasn't there before. In, 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 in like an upcoming industry that is just direct to consumer. You, you know what I mean? There's just nobody in between. 100%. And, and that's like the beautiful part about it. And like uh, uh, upcoming artists, like you, you guys are explaining, like 
that's an invaluable tool just to have that direct connection. Um, and, and, you know, by middling it, you're, you're also creating, you know, invaluable information, like you said, for people like us that are looking for, you know, information statistics or, um, you know, backing information to validate, you know, whatever we might be thinking. Um, so Rob, I was curious too on your end in terms of like the, uh, you know, working the label side, being in the music industry, what's like the typical like perception or tone of conversation or like, you know, talking to artists, talking to other, you know, managers or something like that. Like, what do you typically get when, you know, you're kind of discussing this type of option rather than, you know, doing like a, you know, another label deal or, or, or direct to one buyer. What, what's that like from your end? It's mixed. I mean, ju- just like the, you know, NFTs in general, there's, de- there's obviously like a lot of wariness, you know, from artists or from people working in the industry. And, you know, I think there's some people who are like, they're interested or fascinated by it, but they're worried about what maybe the perception will be from their audience. Um, mm-hmm. I think they're like, I was thinking about it the day. There's like a really interesting space where like, I think like much larger artists are kind of somewhat protected by just like their overall size and like too big to fail. They can withstand like potentially doing something like an NFT thing that, that has a little bit of negative drawback. Um, and like really new burgeoning artists have like nothing to lose. So like, this is a new opportunity for them to like get found and like be, be in this new community. But there's this kind of like artists that are like, you know, up and coming or in the middle or have like fans and they're, they're like, they're not either of those. And they're really worried yeah. to work with some of those, you know, and like, they're really interested, but they're just like, there's a lot of vocal negativity. But it, I think as people kind of like really learn the value that can happen here, that's associated with this, how it's positive for both sides. I mean, I think there's some platforms doing some really good work, like, you know, helping with that on the branding side. I'm slowly finding that more and more people are, are wanting to come in. Um, I, I have spoken to a few like managers, you know, that I've known for a long time, or when I first mentioned to them what I'm doing now, they're like, roll their eyes at me, you know, and then, and then like, and then like, uh, you know, 10 minutes in, they're like, all right, that's, I get it now. That's makes so much sense. Okay. So I'm like, you know, we have to be having a thousand of hundred thousand of those conversations, I think. Endless. <laughs> yeah. They are endless. But like, I can tell just from, you know, talking with you guys, listening to you guys, like, I know when me and Tyler discuss this and, you know, some of our other buddies that are interested and in, in are in it, like you can go down different avenues, but like some people get down an avenue, there's like a roadblock and they just like can't get past one certain thing that they can't understand. But like, you just kind of go back and then find another avenue and that's just kind of how, <laughs> how, how it works in, in, you know, kind of how you create around the space. But um, I think it, for music though, like it made more sense for me because musicians, you would think of people having a fandom of right. More than like a digital artist per se, where like, this is a new thing for digital artists have like fans now, but musicians are kind of used to that. And it's almost like an NFT is a way to show, you are in this super fanhood where like you are investing in the artist for this asset that may or may not come with utility. And those utilities could range from like event tickets to merch to, you know, whatever you really want. It like makes more sense almost in music than any other form to me. Like in with explaining it to other people, it almost feels like it should be easier to understand. Absolutely. I've been, I've been like, I've been I'll show my age a little bit maybe I've, I've been a big fish fan for like 20 years um been participating in that community like traveling all over the world um you know seeing seeing shows 
and like being a part of a rich music community where I would like as a teenager in my 20s have my my patches and my hemp necklace and my hundreds of shows that I wish I had on my like in my wallet that I could pull out and say like I was at this New Year's Eve show or I was I got I got special access to this festival where I got to like do this thing with with one of the, with Mike or with 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 Trey or one of the musicians in the band and and see and thinking about how that level of fans I mean in like the jam community it's like very much like that and thinking about how other musicians now younger artists who have like new followings they're just starting to develop to develop can use this technology in any way that they can it's like just starting out like you know there's different the, uh, the royalties and, and in real in real life experiences and access like we're just starting to see and or like gated websites like how how like this technology is going to be used we're like just scratching that surface um and it makes me really excited to like just think about you know that level of fandom and what that means to people and what that's going to bring bring them and like and spark and and like have these communities thrive because there's like a new way of ultimately like linking you know your linking your fandom and, and your relationship um to your artists, to, to those artists who like you love and who are like doing some really, now there's like another layer of like you, of the tech side um, of just saying like, whoa, like I, I kind of like what this, now that I'm like buying into this space, I like what this person's just doing at like a tech, like a, like a theoretical level of innovation. Like that's a cool thing I never saw. I saw like right. having this NFT, like all of a sudden I could drop something, I could, I could drop this thing or access pass and i didn't even know it's like oh that's cool that's that's a bonus like i'm i'm in even deeper it's really like once you here's i think we've I've come across a bunch of people it's like when you start it's like you're in you t- you, you step your you put your toes in you're like either fall in or you, you don't touch it at all but like once you get a taste it's like <laughs> it's like i i kind of hear this repeat this repeated story i've heard it like on your podcast and just like and through conversations i see it with with like my own bandmates who like I had, I like brought in through like selling an NFT um, and like getting them like having, like having that just like experience of like positive things happening. It's almost like a, like a Pavlov, I like joke. It's like Pavlov's dog. It's like classical conditioning at the most core human psychological level. It's just like, if you reward, you reward like people by like just doing it by, by comparing a stimulus and a reward. And that's like at the, at the core level of this, that's what we're doing. We're kind of like training people who are participating that like there is a reward and real gains. And that at the, at the end of the day, like it, there's, there's like a, a real value in terms of how we're thinking about like funding artists and, and being a community. And those are, t- those are like kind of two pillars that, I just get behind that we just get behind and we think if this is the future, these are features that are absolutely necessary to the new age of, of the internet. There's like three times a day where Dave, Dave and I have like sidebar about just like a, a random idea that a band could do to like give additional value. And like, why like, you know, fish would be so sweet if like they just randomly airdropped, like you were, Oh, you were at that, you know, 2000, eight show and like now there's a new recording of it and everybody who still has like the the ticket in their wallet like can have that airdrop to them like i i love that and like i, I look awesome. at the bands i work with i'm like i want every single i wish everything single activity we had was tokenized around the band so that we could just constantly be rewarding people like 
you know, sporadically for the more and more actions they've taken, you know, and it's like, we're going to have a live, you know, live stream show or metaverse show. And it's like, you have access, if you've done any activity ever associated with us. Right. And like, that also then provides like this additional signal that like these people who are always like in that community are getting drawn back in because they've done anything or getting rewarded and like, they love it. And like other people will then see that and want to be in your community. Like, yeah. You mentioned it's so natural to a band. I mean, like, and like, so it was like you set up like street teams for, for bands, like bands are a community, like especially indie bands, like when done right. So like, it's just, it's literally just taking that and, and, and allowing so much more connectivity around it. So I, I, I do think music is going to be a place where it really thrives. I think like authenticity is so important in music and to different artists and to how you like end up identifying with the music and the community you love. So I do think that's going to be core. And I think like that is maybe why there's some like pushback initially where people's only maybe understanding of NFTs are like, you know, they see a pixelated picture that, you know, went for $2 million and they don't get it. And they think, you know, that doesn't feel authentic or real to them. It feels like speculation. Um, So I think it's just like kind of getting past that for people and like seeing it actually in, in, in practice and working. We found it harder to get like an entire band on board versus like, I, I see a lot of DJs making NFT and like, but I don't see a lot of other genres like jumping in yet. Electronic and hip hop are definitely leading in terms of genres. I mean, definitely like when there's one person, it just makes it easier. They could just like on a whim, go do things that they want to do. I also do think that like electronic artists and DJs just tend to be like, a little bit closer to this space. Like there's tends to be some overlap and in interest and also, or maybe just like they can be bigger risk takers. And they're also like putting out more music, like individually. It just like, there's so many things that lend itself to them being there first, but they, they've been first on a lot of and same with hip hop on a lot of stuff. I think a lot of other artists are like a little more cautious than they should be. That makes sense. The other the other genres seem kind of established in their own bucket. And you just described two genres that are very fluid and change constantly, it feels like. So that kind of makes sense as well. And I think there's some fear from people about the financial financialization of things. But I actually see that personally as a feature in music. It looks and like even, freedom to me. Yes. I mean, like for the last 20 years, we've been programmed to think that music doesn't cost anything. There is no price. Like I actually think it's a good thing to have money front and center when you're thinking about consuming music and the artists behind it. Like I, I just don't understand the concept of that being a negative. Like I, I, you know, maybe that's weird to have that like, you know, upfront and, and so in the mechanism of how they're releasing it. But I think that's kind of what has to happen or at least, you know, next to other means that we have. I would agree with that. Just- it's just like uh, you got to make sure you have a page explaining how to install MetaMask or or just like make that the first piece of onboarding because getting over that is definitely the first time. It, it always comes back to like some level of education. But words. Yes. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, exactly. 12 words. Don't write them down. Don't take a picture. <laughs> <laughs> Don't lose them somehow. Um, but no, you're right. I mean, like uh, from the music side, I just think of like, you know, obviously like LimeWire coming back in now, like that, that like our, that's our prime time error, like for me and Tyler, uh, just downloading endless Little Wayne on 
off a of LimeWire, just like, oh, this is a treasure trove of free songs and I'm just going to burn onto the CD. This is great. Um, I guess, what, what do you guys see, like, you know, from your perspective, you know, when people are onboarding or coming in or, um, you know, developing a platform or, you know, you see a lot of artists, you can do it individually, but like, what do you guys think like a, a successful strategy looks like for someone who's doing that themselves, like a LimeWire or, or like someone that's like creating their own site and, you know, delivering direct to consumer? As a platform? Yeah. Yeah. Like, what do you guys look for? Uh, for us, I mean, I think there's, you know, there's a lot out there that doesn't look very different than the next thing. And I think like right now, because there's so much, it's really having like this unique value add to the space that like, why do you exist? You know, and is that because you have, there's some platforms out there with incredible curation and design right now that they're acting like a really interesting, like mix of like an early 2000s blog or like indie label, which I find to be really interesting and cool. Um, there's others that like are, are putting a cool like listening layer onto web three that like make that easier. There's others that have like really great rewards, but then there are, I am seeing some platforms coming on where I'm like, I don't totally understand the value add, you know, or, or even like you may be understanding what your identity is because you're trying to be every single thing. Um, so I think that it's having a clear like case for who you and understanding of who you are. Yeah, I'll, you guys I'll, have I'll, like 200 platforms on yeah. Doper right now. And like, I use like three. So I need to go and like <laughs> look through these and check them out. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's all like, uh, adds like kind of what Rob was saying is this was you know, with the directory, you know, um, Tyler, you mentioned there's 200 plus platforms. I think when we started, there was about, we found 130 in the last maybe two months we've added <laughs> That we've literally added a hundred and people are submitting the every day we wake up and we have this this list of new submissions. And that's part of like for, for us every week we're we're putting out there like new platforms that have that have been added and trying to feature platforms. And that's another kind of like another layer of of education. But like to start when we were when literally this was a research, it was like a research project and an internal tool of going, it was really hard to figure out what the differences were. And I think like to me, there's some really cool stuff around like generative music, um, which like is is being introduced, like kind of that attached with art being generative and the music, um, you know, like like a like a warp sounds, you know, like Soundmin is doing that. Um, I think some of the generative stuff also around like um, like stems too, and so like being able to break that down and and share and share them and collaborate where now that ownership of a given stem is forever tracked like for oh wow player. so it's and almost like for music production too like you could buy certain stems from a producer and like yeah so it could be wow. generative it could be actually made by a producer like you could upload your stems there's a a, a group of uh, pixel bands actually i met, met those guys down at south by southwest and at, at the at like a solana house party and there's upstairs in the studio people are like hey let's make an edit we're gonna mint an nft and make one in 15 minutes or like everyone's like no way like you know people were sitting down they got a microphone and a guitar laid lay down some tracks like bounced it out like minted it like took a picture of this whole thing like everyone was like really excited like cheering them on and <laughs> south by was that was in march that was like my first you know since since entering the space that was like my first direct contact with just like 
Web3 and NFTs kind of like feeling like it took over a like a previous music industry, music event where, you know, I'd been to all these festivals, different kinds of things where like it wasn't it wasn't a part. And this was like the center, um, really everything that was happening across metaverse and NFTs and Web3 became the center of that. And like that kind of new uh, like utility, um, you know, it's cool to have collectibles royalties kind of got us into this because it like really aligns well with the technology we had but really that that innovation like building like composing creating directly on chain and people finding out really like really smart solutions about how to represent music like kind of one of the one of the the, the issues is like uh, making music on chain is that you know uh music is like it requires like a lot more space especially high fidelity music and by like kind of storing only pieces of information that are like basically kind of like a score or like MIDI information, really like kind of like uh, kind of, uh, you know, smaller bits there um, allows for, you know, all these different use cases and like companies are tapping into that. And it's, it's really nice to see. Um, it's kind of always been the case, right? It was like, this is the research. It all comes full circle. The research with the neuroscience and music ultimately only came about because there was uh, like a lab advisor who came from the MIT Media Lab. And it was this idea. This is a little, I'll stretch this out a little bit. Take, take, this, take this high level for a second. Like the coolest ideas and the most like creative inventions, I think, come at the intersection of like new technology and mixing with other fields and other domains so you get a bunch of different experts coming in together and that's at that intersection is where you find like the newest like coolest like creative projects and like i was a guy who i was a musician and like an educator i got dumped into a uh and get dumped i went into like a, a music entertainment technology lab with a bunch of engineers who were studying like uh, digital signal processing and like music information retrieval and pulling out of information i was this cognitive neuroscientist and i was like what do i do in this lab and and the director was like well we think that there's something important about understanding how the human brain responds to music since all these engineers are here just studying music and trying to figure out what it means like we're missing a, an essential piece if you if you remove the human and so let's just see what happens if you like kind of put these pieces together and like that's kind of what happened on the research front and i think with 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 doper with seeker cord and now more broadly with with nft platforms and and just like web3 technology we're seeing just like that same kind of philosophy of artists technologists scientists like you know, coming together with with their minds and like where they are today and what's available to them, which is different than ever was before. And we're seeing a new Internet being created like before our eyes. And like that's that's where I want to that's that's like where I want to be. And like <laughs> spending my time every day is like at meeting new people who have like, you know, uh, like skill sets that are complementary and that can like teach me things and that are very there's an openness. Right. I think like bring it back to psychology. I'm just always psych psychology, but like personality wise right there's there's an openness towards that of an underlying like personality trait that lets you kind of it's really easy to get bogged down by the easiest version of what something is that's told to you by like the mass media and like by literally by definition like the masses will follow that information and it takes like a different kind of person to sift through and to like be interested and curious in in those new opportunities and maybe the, maybe you find out for yourself that it's not for you or that you don't like it or you think it's 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 not the way to do it but like 
that's not the way the path I see it happening. But like to even just go in and like learn about it is is I think just like a trait that's just important. And and it's it's something we need as a as a as a civilization, as a culture, it's something we just need to have like a strong emphasis on value on value of. And I think when we talk about like what is a what does a community really mean? A community really means that you're surrounded by people who share your values. And at that, that's like, there's nothing deeper than that than your friends and family. And now your, your extension of that with, with what, with what's going on in the world. Hell yeah, man. Hell yeah. You got me all pumped up. I'm pumped, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pumped here, but like, as I'm like saying this, like, yeah, dude, like, this is like, the bit. This, this is it. Like, <laughs> it's every, every day. Like, you know, I get, I feel like get a new confirmation by something that that's, that, that, that's happening that takes it a step further it's like that's that's like the right thing that's going in like the right direction yep, one uh, one step that way you know you keep going step, down the path two steps <laughs> one step back, one step back yeah uh, you know it's usually kind of how things go uh and I, I had another thought to uh somewhere you asked about you know what what platforms can do and and it was well, it, it tacks on to what some of what you were saying dave uh we were talking about, you know, stems and things like that. There's a platform called Async and they actually started with like art before they went into music. And I, th- I think, I don't know the art side as well, but they were taking. We just talked of- to Brian Brinkman. He did their first like music NFT. Oh, that's crazy. Like the, that's spoke, cool. the spoken word. I think awesome. it was, um, I forget her name, but she might've heard Amelia Earhart like caught, I don't know. She like caught the, um, the radio signals or something. And like, it was her diary being read or something, but the, the point about the stems though, I think, you know, how async is layers or whatever. They had all the stems as different layers. And that got my brain moving on. Like you could have collector created remixes of songs where they get to just make it how they want it. Exactly. And, and, and something that they do really, really well is explain what they do and, you know, going on their, their site and like, okay, what is, interesting or unique about these guys. But then also for me, so I, I had an artist I work with that was in town. They played a show in Philadelphia on Saturday and I got dinner with them. And of course, what am I talking to them about? I'm talking about music <laughs> NFTs and how we could, we could do a million different things. But one of the easiest things for me to explain to them and for them to get was async because I, like they just got, it was like, you know, we take your stems, we have different versions of them. We make those available. Whoever's the different purchaser of each stem gets to decide which the, which is the version that's currently live. And then like the full version, you can see it. And it's like this makeup between these different NFT folds, like, and they were like, wow, that's awesome. Like that we actually have, like, sometimes we can't decide, you know, which versions to use for a song. We could actually like release this different mix of crowdsourced music. Totally. Like they just got it. Like it was like done. These are like, and it was just like click, like done. And I was like, that's amazing. Like they made it easy, not just for like the band to understand it from them, but like with, for like one step away through a conduit, like I was able to explain it to them. And, and I, and I was saying to them, I want to, you know, when they're off tour, I want to have them have a bunch of different meetings with different types of music NFT platforms to explain to them directly. Cause I think that's super important. And I, I just think it's like both on the, the, you know, whoever they're serving, but like the artist side and the collector side, making it like so simple. So like with them, they have like little videos, they have beautiful infographics and things like that. And it's also just, it's, it's also like just well thought out, like how it works and simple and they do what they do and they do it really well. And they're not trying to do 20 other things. Um, 
And I think that's really cool. I think we need like distinct players who serve like a really cool purpose that adds to the ecosystem. What do you think the labels role is going to be like later on when artists are, you know, really using the NFT technology? It's interesting. I mean, like, it depends how much people want to get on board or not. Right. right? Do you think so like, labels will actually be the ones like distributing NFTs or do you, I guess it'll be a mix, right. Of independent artists as well, but you would think it goes more into the you know marketing that artist more than anything. Totally. I mean, I think like the smart labels are going to want to get their hands on it as soon as possible and realize it's another revenue source. And it's a little bit hazy, like where that works out in current contracts and things like that. So like, they're going to, I think smart labels are going to want to get their hands on it quickly, you know, build it into what they're doing. Um, I think distributors would be smart, like to as quickly as possible, just make it a really easy option to distribute your song also as a music NFT and to like link up with different platforms. Um, I have a lot of ideas as label, as a label for what to do. I mean, I, for like, a label I run, like I would love to give every single person who pre-orders a record, like an NFT that comes along with it, like for no extra cost. And then once the record comes out, I'll give you a share of the earnings of that record forever. So like right. come in early, buy, support, no extra cost to you. Like I know that you bought a vinyl record or something and like you now all split 5%, 10% of the streaming of this record in perpetuity. Like there's just you know, there's a thousand ideas and I think there's going to be new labels that are centered around it or like really great labels that have a web three strategy. Um, but I do think a lot of the like indie labels are very frightened by what the backlash would be from their core customer. When you were saying those are the people in the middle too, that yeah. like can't take the risk, but aren't, you know, cushioned enough to do whatever they want. So and it's a lot of the genre, it feels genre folk where it's like kind of outside, like kind of like the focus genres as we were talking, as we were talking about before, like also I'm, I'd like a rock artist and there's not, I was trying to like find like, are there, are there platforms specific at this point for, for rock or prog or, you know, kind of your more maybe avant-garde kind of stuff and, and like not really yet. Um, and so like, you know, that's, it'll be interesting to see like kind of how that evolves kind of in different pockets. And there's, 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 you know, like dance oriented, like a record ship or, or things like that. But uh, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see like how that like evolution happens across those different spaces. Yeah. I would think the average consumer looking at music NFTs, it's more about the utility and like the delivery of other additional assets, because the listening experience, I would imagine no one's going to be really dropping Spotify or Apple Music in favor of like, uh, I can only listen to the NFTs I own on this one website by linking my wallet to it or something. But um, do you, are there any other listening experiences you guys have seen that are a little bit different than that? Or do you think the streaming services are still the main way to, to actually get the music? I still think the streaming services are the main way. And maybe that changes. And then certainly there's so many things ahead that I can't even fathom right now. Uh, but I still think that's the main way. And, and I, I think the reality is that the majority of listeners are okay with that right now. Like they're, they're fine with paying $10 a month for all of their music and to, when they want something to listen to, to, you know, ask their Alexa to play music that's good while cooking, you know, and, and that's, that's okay. I, I think like 
But the idea here is that there's a certain portion of the market that's willing to pay much, much more for, a, for more value, but they're also locked in to $10 a month. Like, you know, and, and I pay the same amount of money for like the song that plays on loop right now while my son is asleep in his, his bedroom as the song I put in, like that means the most in the world to me that I'm focused on, you know? So I think it's about like, just kind of being able to differentiate those and like find like that price discovery and like that value add. Um, there's a, there's a couple cool platforms out there doing some listening stuff. So like future tape is one. And I, I don't know if you guys ever like knew of a, a website that's still around called hype machine. Um, but it's from the, it was a really cool aggregator of like all like the biggest blogs out there. And it would play the songs from that. And like, it would create a really cool, List actually used to be like one of the best like A&R sources, like whatever's number one on Hype Machine was like, you know, the thing. And he's built a uh, future tape, which right now I think it's just three of the platforms out there. He's aggregating into a listening experience for you. And that you don't have to own anything, but you could buy it from there or not, or look at the art or, you know, you can sort by like first when, you know, what was the first mint from the artist and things like that. So I think there's going to be some interesting solutions like on the listening side. And hopefully like there's some ways where like you can listen and like really quickly, you know, level up what you're paying to somebody as well. I think it'd be cool to like have a SoundCloud type of platform, but it's maybe run on Tezos. So it's really cheap to mint, cheap to buy them. You can see a lot of like independent, um, you know, just starting out musicians out there showing their craft and making a few dollars here and there. I think, I think Tezos has a lot to offer in that realm, just being so low cost. Um, I haven't seen anything like that or most of the NFT stuff you guys seen on Ethereum and Solana, maybe. There is some stuff on Tezos, but I can't, can't recall which I just know in our directory that it exists as a tag. So I know there's some. Yeah. And uh, what is on Algorand. Is it- oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I had some algo back in the day. I wonder what happened to that. <laughs> Yeah, they're like the majority are on Ethereum and uh, Solana, what we're seeing right now. Yeah. I did have some um, neuroscience questions for you about music that you may or may not have the answers sure. to. And it's, uh, it actually might lean more towards psychology, but I had heard that um, a person's like most favorite music is whatever they were listening to in like seventh grade. Yeah. Is, what, why is that? What's up with that? Fact or fiction. Um, it's like you're like you this is dave's thing you're one of those things (laughs) you're asking why you like the music that you do yeah Uh, right so i'll try to give a succinct and clear answer um we the, the songs that have the greatest impact on us um we tend to experience when we're in our teenage years um and a big portion of that is because of all the other things surrounding the music in a certain way that are non-musical, but that the music elicits. So like friendships. So like when you become, when you're seventh grade, eighth grade, you start to like form a sense of an identity that you think kind of is yours. Um, And I think in a way it's like, you know, when you think about high school, 
you almost like could segment different groups of kids by the music that they listen to. And it's like a very much a it's music is, is identity and music is friendships and music is like all of the emotions that you have associated with that first dance or that awesome concert experience um, or like, you know, your favorites, you're just like the song that you like sang a million times, that you know, every lyric to. And like, and then when you hear that song again, it like reconjures these memories of nostalgia and like um, and deep seated emotion, because ultimately like music is an associational cue. Almost if you think of it like as a sense, like a smell, you can like smell something like, oh, it's like my grandmother's house. Music yeah. It's like, I love her and I feel love. Music is the same exact kind of, kind of, kind of thing there. Um, and it plays on, um, I'll call this, we, on, on our memory systems. So it, what I just described is all about explicit knowledge and experience that we have over the course of our lives, where we ultimately like build an association between things that have happened to us and memories and emotion that like make us love something during impactful moments of our lives. That's one memory system. We have a second, it's called, that's like declarative memory or uh, like system two, Daniel Kahneman will call it, which is like an explicit system that we're aware of. We have a second memory system. We'll call that one system one that is like procedural. It's, it's unconscious and it's implicit. And this system, um, when you are born into a culture and you live in a certain time, as a young person, some will argue from the time that you're in the womb, you'll start to statistically, there are regularities in our environment and our brains actually like um, become in tune with those regularities. There's like a predominant theory of cognition called predictive coding. And this is the idea that the brain is always optimizing, especially early on, to understand what things go together to make predictions about what will happen next. And this is ultimately what happens when we learn. And there's this period during the first, we think about seven or eight years, where your, your um, expectations of what sounds go together are set based on like where you live and your culture and, and such around you. And so from that time that your expectations are set, things that deviate from those expectations, events in music that are surprising, um, actually there's like a unique brain signal when you are surprised by something. And you can find this, you know, this is where the research came out of. It came out of harmonic surprise um, from this second memory system that just like responds unconsciously. We're not aware of it. And so to come back to this question of like, how do, why do we like the music that we do? It's not just any music. It's actually, we like to know about music that has surprise in it. We like to be familiar. So dopamine is the, when the dopamine is the reward molecule, right, of, of pleasure. And so what we have found in the research is that when you pair both memory systems, when they're jointly activated, when you have a surprising piece of music in some way, whether that's the harmonic content or, or a new instrument like a timbre or a weird melody, whatever, something, a weird combination of genres mixed with um, those experiences that when joined together, it's like it, it kind of like it, it plays a trick on our on our brains that that both memory systems become engaged and lead to this this pleasure response because dopamine is not only the pleasure molecule it's also the learning molecule and as you can like I always like to think about like the example of if you're sitting at a if you're, if you're at a concert and 
and you bring someone uh, for, the, for the first time to a show. And it's like example, like let's talk about is is like I've been to the show before and I know something like really crazy is about to happen, something unusual, <laughs> like gonna bring out some crazy person. It's gonna be surprising. I I, I nudge say I nudge Rob. I say, yo, this like thing is about to happen. It's gonna be really awesome. I knowing about this really weird, surprising thing, actually get more pleasure out of knowing and telling the per- my buddy that this thing is gonna happen than he or she gets from the first time they experience it because especially because you just ruined it, you know, yeah. you just ruined it. Sorry. <laughs> I just ruined it. Um, and that's like, so that's like where, that's where this all started. Like, it's crazy. And we were just like, my, we have a third, co- our third co-founder, Scott Miles. Uh, we met in 2015 in grad school. And I was like scanning the brains of jazz musicians who were improvising. That was like, <laughs> You know, someone was paying me and I was like doing research in grad school to hook up jazz guitarists, put on like an EEG and read their brains as they were playing to understand like what the brain looks like during creative moments of improvisation. And when musicians reported feeling a flow state, like when they were playing Um, and that was just like brought, you know, I've been an improviser for into improv music. I mentioned fish and I've been like jamming for 20 years. And I take that like shit, like more serious than anything else in the world, maybe other than like. Uh, you know, like maybe some yoga practice and, and whatever and my family, um, because like there's like really deep, like, again, connections and improvisate connections with like the people who you're having that moment with connections with like the people listening who are like there to like go on a journey and like try something new. Um, anyway, I'm rambling about this shit. So I met Scott, so Scott the other co-founder, he came in with like the questions about on the other side, I was doing like production. He wanted to know about perception of like, why is it we end up liking that music? And like, we did a lot of research in terms of like trying to understand this balance of familiarity in music and surprise. Um, and ultimately, after a number of, of, of neuroscience studies, we landed at this point where we said, you know what actually is driving music? It's something that we're going to call familiar surprise. Um, and it seems like an oxymoron, but when when you have that right amount of familiarity then then that right that pushing of the boundaries that right amount of innovation like it goes so far it's what like establish it can like establish the sound or like a new kind of artist who like just breaks the mold in that right way but without that context if i'm listening to you know if i'm only a pop listener and I hear a new jazz artist do like a cool new take on like a progression or on a composition. Well, I can't make sense of that like dense jazz sound because it, it, it doesn't align with any of my past experiences, A, on, on the emotional side of anything I've actually experienced in my life. And B, on the other side of like, I've probably aren't even, haven't even, don't even have like this knowledge set or base to like, so to make sense, it's it's too surprising. All of it's right. too, all of it's too surprising, and like it's 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 actually alienating. Um, and that's I don't know if that answers a long winded answer for why why we like. No, to that be- was awesome. I feel like I know so much oh. more about that now. Holy shit! I'm pumped <laughs> yeah. to like think yeah, about it from it's that very, viewpoint next time. It, it is extremely. Uh, it's it's a it's a blessing and a curse. So. <laughs> it's a blessing and a curse because now literally I'm, I'm listening to music and my wife does it at the same time. We look, we started with harmony. So literally we've looked at millions of songs and we look, we've, we looked at the chords at like every single quarter note of this music. Like, and 
we look at like, you know, the amount of surprise that is contained in these chords, given like the sound space that a song lives in. And that's where the research started was on the har harmony side. And with Doper, um, we've had the ability to scale the technology to look at melody, to look at rhythmic surprise, to look at timbral surprise, textural surprise, and dynamic surprise, and ultimately feed all of that into a model and start to, our, even ourselves, get an understanding of like, how does hip hop use rhythmic surprise versus how does rock maybe maybe rely more on, on a like harmonic surprise or melodic surprise to drive it. And seeing those interactions um, is just really illuminating and I guess the, the the point where maybe it's like a blessing and a curse is I can't listen. To, this is part of the the training. I think also has a big impact. So if you have if you have music training too, like and like you're thinking about this this kind of stuff, that also changes the way you're responding because now those surprises that you're that are unconscious for ninety five percent of the people out there, they're just like getting that that bump. They become conscious. They become explicit, and you hear something that's strange, and you're like dynamic surprise harmonic surprise right surprise, like shut up dude like i'm trying to, like, like now you're making music and trying to put surprises in it instead yeah, of just like letting it happen yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so you end up writing a bunch of uh, we're like you know i'm writing like progressive rock like that's not a song you just wrote like seven different sections that are totally surprising <laughs> and no one's ever gonna like this and that's been the story of my bands <laughs> <laughs> Were there any insights that you guys found when putting the model together that you were just like blew your mind? They were like, oh, my God, this is like it's making perfect sense, like everything lined up. Yeah, I think the big I think one of the big uh, aha moments, there's a couple there was a, I think there were like maybe two really big ones. We had done a lot of work before the company on the harmonic surprise side of things um, and sh and proved that out and had evidence that that was driving preference across 60 plus years of, of popular music. Um, we're looking at billboard charting songs to start um, and we were seeing incredible separation in these surprise features between songs that were at the top of the charts and the bottom of the charts, regardless of genre, regardless of artists. And like go, walking into this research when I met Scott, I was like, dude, there's no way there's no way there's anything different about the top billboard songs and the bottom billboard songs. It's all about it's all about popularity. It's all about like if you were in a movie recently, there's not like an underlying fundamental principle. So kind of like once we had once we showed that. Um, the next big step was we did a, a quite a bit of pilot testing with uh, some major labels out there in the, more of the traditional music industry, just like testing the models for these different features of, of as I mentioned, melody and rhythm and, and timbre and texture and dynamics and looking across genres. And I think when we started segmenting in two different ways, we started segmenting in different sound spaces. So like we do like AI, all this AI tagging across 20 different genres. So we don't just like say like rock is rock or or you know uh dance let it learn that on its own yeah yeah let it learn that let it know maybe it's like it's like 30 percent this and 40 percent that and like it's about these different buckets and then another key way of like that we think about segmenting where we saw some interesting patterns emerge was when we looked at top tier artists like artists who had you know tens of millions of followers versus like way less like maybe like on the order of a couple thousand and we we like kind of think about these spaces of the role of surprise and how it plays how it how it like kind of it differs across these features by like what type of artist you are in terms of like popularity and how many songs you have out and like what your fan base is and like we look at these kind of like discrete neighborhoods and putting that together 
you know, along with all the other music data, you know, it was, it was clear that, that, that was, that was the way to look at this. We're having like, you know, really good solid accuracy metrics when we were, we were back testing and we did some forward testing models, like making projections into the future back when we were testing. And that was like really an aha moment. We were like, wow, like we could, when, when artists were releasing songs, we were nailing like their number one track 85% of the time. If an artist wow. put, out, put out more than one song based on these features and, and just, it was, it was there, like the data and the evidence was there that this like makes a difference. And this is like really predictive. Um, and I think just like those, those kinds of key developments along the way uh, really helped us make sense of, of like how to, how to leverage these, these insights. Are there any, any technology out there that's like looking at lyrical content at all, or is it really just on the music side mostly? We're, we're not looking at lyrical content um, right now. Um, we're looking at just, just, just the music um, itself. Yeah. Are there companies out there that are looking at, at the lyric? I think, I mean, I think in terms of preference, I'm not sure. I know there's like different lyric analysis companies um, in terms of like, tra- like you know, obviously transcription and things like that, but there hasn't been, there hasn't been too much like done in that space yet. I, I haven't seen in terms of lyrics and, and preference. Um, you know, I think there's something there. Um, we, we've done some like early work, look at looking at some kind of similar, I think there can be a similar methodology with, with lyrics as we've taken with these other surprise features. And I think one of the core things there is, which I haven't mentioned, we call this contrastive surprise. And that's like the changing of emotion or like tension and release within the music itself. So having like, you know, really like happy lyrics to sad, to sad music. And that, there's, there's been some studies about this and, and, or like the chorus ultimately being, being a release from the tension in the, in the, in the sections preceding it, like in a bridge, like later in a song. And that's, that's kind of where we've localized this effect. The familiar surprise is that in sections preceding choruses, um, you see that about two thirds of the way through the song and like your standard kind of like pop, more like pop structure that you see these moments of, because you're, you're familiar with what's happening and you're expecting this like two verses of repetition, you get like a new, you get a bridge right partway through the song in a chorus and that's ultimately tension and release and this contrastive surprise is just kind of a way of quantifying i think that tension and release which is really just like an evolutionary you know evolutionarily built in feature of our of like um our sensors and like the way that our brains respond to to that like different those different stimuli in our environment well i hope if the listeners get anything they know how hard you guys have been working on this and like the knowledge base that you've built up over the many years of being in the music industry and looking into neuroscience behind music is like, it's fascinating, man. And I love what you guys are doing and people need to go out and get their early access, right? Was it, is it app.doper.xyz? We'll have it on the episode for sure. Yep. Yeah. Or just doper.xyz. Either one will get you there. That's way easier. Boom. Done. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's I think it's great to hear you guys kind of you know obviously uh, talk about your ideas and where everything's going and and also at the same time like you know all the preparation and everything that went into getting to this point and then this this you know idea coming like it's almost everything was falling into place for this type of you know uh, change or, or or shift you know whatever it might be bringing you guys together you know uh, outside of a friendship professionally and and. Um, I think that's what this space does and, and it's, it's cool to see, but um, 
yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pumped. I'm going to get my early access. I, I got a little busy with our, with our nine to fives to, to, to figure it out earlier today, but um, no, this is going to be a key piece. This is going to be like, like a vital tool for people going forward. And, and honestly, uh, it's been great listening to you guys explain it. Awesome. That's, it's so great to hear. I mean, I love what you guys are doing too. Like, I, you know, it's just, it's really important that like communication and, and not, and like education, you know, in all, in all realms here, I think is, 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 is going to be key. And like, you know, hearing you guys say that, um, you know, is, is so important. It means a lot. Like, and I think as we talk to people, like, you know, they're as exciting as the space is, there's going to be issues and, and like, we need some, some kind of tools there on, on discovery and valuation side. And we're really trying to, you know, show everyone what's out there, lift this, lift the space up, like point people in the direction of the things that like, that they're, that they're interested. And ultimately that's, that's what we're trying to do here with dope. Or like, if you told me, you told me 2050 I was gonna be using my neuroscience research when web three wasn't like a thing exactly um, crazy yeah it's, it's crazy that it's, it's ended up here and there's no better way we were th- to help creators than to change like the paths of their of their career and like helping this come to come to fruition and that's just like what what we're all about and and I think that's what we're that's like the the signal and the messaging that we're getting from everyone else out there that's what we want we all want something we all want this thing that's like objectively good and like i dare you to tell me like it's always like i dare you to tell me that it's not and like explain that to me and like so it's 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 been a fun ride and we're looking forward to like what's ahead yeah thank you guys for having us on and yeah we're 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 excited to bring people fully into what we're doing um in a few months here it's it's been a lot of fun to work on it awesome and we appreciate your time and we'll be uh keeping our eyes peeled ready to hop on doper and get some uh valuation information Oh, and I just right. thought of it now. Like you and you and Royal have this in common, at least for me. I I, I pronounce him half the time. I say Royale. So uh, <laughs> uh, Royale with cheese. Yeah, must be exactly, <laughs> exactly. Uh, it was nice to meet you, dudes. This has been great. But um, you too. Yeah, we'll awesome. uh, we'll keep in touch and we'll talk soon. Cool. And so come out in a week's time. So it'll be out next Monday. Awesome. Cool guys. Nice. Have a nice night. Thanks, guys. You too. Damn, that's nifty. That's nifty. That's NFT. That's a nifty, nifty NFT. That's nifty. That's NFT. That's a nifty, nifty NFT. Before he is fizz, he leaked the plan. Exula worked on Iron Man. How cool is that? Mad Dog Jones, the dude so fine, he hand draws every single line. I sure as hell didn't know that. Fuck Render built the gallery to raise new artist popularity. What a guy. much lag like a nomad, all his belongings in a single bag. All these things, can't you see? I learned all that's NFT. That's nifty. That's NFT. That's a nifty, nifty NFT. That's nifty. That's NFT. That's a nifty, nifty NFT. That's nifty. That's NFT. That's a nifty, nifty NFT
Let's lift it, let's NFT Let's lift it, lift the NFT Damn, that's a nifty NFT.